0: What's up? It's episode 63, Pain Points of Wealth, and we saw the worst sell-off ever on a Black Friday in the markets as the Omicron version or variant of the COVID virus is wreaking havoc on the economy. Markets, what do you do now? Is this a game changer? Do you need to reposition your portfolio? We're going to break it down. And on the tipping point today, we're going to talk about end-of-the-year wealth moves you can make right now to save money on taxes, put more money in your pocket, check it out, hit the music. We've got a great show.
1: Welcome to the Pain Points of Wealth, the podcast that addresses the pain points that come with creating, growing, and sustaining your wealth, giving you a multi-generational perspective from three pains in a pod. Bob Payne, the boomer, Chris Payne, the millennial, and Ryan Payne, the generation somewhere in between. Guys, you know what, Hits just another
2: reason why we shouldn't have the market open the Friday after Thanksgiving. It's open for a half a day. Nobody who's anybody is in the office. Everybody's out shopping for the holidays. You know, everybody has a turkey hangover. And to add insult to injury, they had the computers running the show that Friday. I vote for closing the market next year on Friday after Thanksgiving.
0: Bob, wow, let's be real. This is just an excuse for you to eat your turkey sandwiches in peace and not have to worry about what's going on in the markets. I know you too well. well I have to agree with that, Rye. But, you know, let's face it ever since earnings season started, we had
2: almost a 10% move on the market. You know, That's a bull market in its own right. We were due for a little bit of a pullback. What
0: is interesting, because if you look at sentiment, and I look at it every week, just how investors feel about the market, the economy, and it's negatively correlated, meaning when people are really bullish, most likely the market sells off. Or when people are very bearish, more than not, markets tend to actually go up. And you saw sentiment change even before the news came out about this variant of the COVID virus. And people already started to get negative before that after being very, very bullish. So I think it was going to happen one way or the other, regardless of the variant. Bob, to your point, the market was going to sell off anyway because it was getting a little frothy. Right. Well, your point about being bullish, I was talking to one of my clients this week, and he's traditionally very, very bearish. And I said to him, I said, well, how did you feel about the sell-off on Friday? He goes, what sell-off on Friday? I said, well, the market dropped 1,000 points. He's like, well, Chris, you know me. This stuff never bothers me. And I said, well, look, I'm going to call BS on that. I said, you're one of the most emotional people I know. I said, tell me, what are your friends saying? He's like, you know, they don't really seem to be too concerned. He's like, you know, the markets are doing great and I think they're going to continue to do great. So that's not a sign of the times, guys. I don't know what is. Yeah, but you know what, Chris? Most of my
2: conversations with our clients has been, hey, is it time to get out? Is it over? Are we done? This is before the market dropped. And again, it was only 2%. You know, we're up 35% in some indices this
0: year. Yeah, I mean, that's the other part of this, right? It's like, this is not a big sell off. As we're recording this, the market's only down a couple percent. And that's kind of been our thesis all year, and it's almost like the same old song and dance, right? Markets sell off a couple percent. Everyone goes crazy. We had the Delta variant all summer long. That's all we heard about. And we were waiting for this big sell-off to precipitate. It never happened. And I suspect it's more of the same here. Maybe we get some selling in here, but the dynamics, guys, they just haven't changed. The underlying fundamentals of the economy right now are pretty solid. Uh, very solid. And
2: they, you know, we just had really good PMI numbers, consumer spending numbers are good. You know, we're in the holiday season now. Seasonality is good for the market. You know, in terms of people having money to spend, the world's awash in cash, everybody's net worth is up. I keep asking that question. If everything's
0: so good, why is everybody so unhappy, Chris? That's a very philosophical question, Bob. Well, you know what, Dad? It's human nature to be worried about the future, to be constantly concerned that, you know, when's the next shoe going to drop? That seems to be the trend when I talk to people. It's like, yeah, well, everything's going great, but, you know, the market's right for a pullback. Yeah, it does climb a wall of worry. I mean, that's pretty much the way markets operate, right? And I think you know the bottom line here is, look, betting against the market here not being invested here is you're betting against humanity. Because the one thing we've seen in the last two years, nearly two years, is how we've been able to adapt so well to the fact that we have this pandemic, right? If anything, human beings are resourceful. I think they're going to continue to be resourceful no matter what happens with this virus. And that's the bet you're making when you're invested in the market is people are going to figure out a way to not only survive, but thrive here. And I think that's what's going to happen.
2: Yeah, I think a lot of investors forgot that last week, right? And that's why they panic. You know, they panic when they hear negative news. The market doesn't like uncertainty, obviously. But here's the big shock viruses mutate. Oh, my goodness gracious, right? I mean, have you ever gotten a flu vaccine? Did it ever work? You know why it doesn't work? Because the flu virus continues to mutate. So viruses mutate. But I think as an investor, you got to remember society, the economy, the global economy mutates along ahead of the virus and will continue to do that.
0: You know, Dad, I like that because. If you look at every time that we've had an announcement in the news about a different variant of the coronavirus or something bad about the coronavirus, the market automatically pulls back. And then after that, an amazing thing happens. The market just goes higher. I think I'm seeing a trend here, guys. I don't know. I think that was like panic number 89, wasn't it, Chris? You know, I lost count. I ran out of fingers and toes. That's a great point. So going back to sentiment again, and as we're recording this, is sentiment has become very negative again. And you got to remember, big bull markets don't tend to end when there isn't euphoria. And we're certainly not seeing euphoria right now. And I suspect we are going to get another big run up. That's what we've talked about here. Seasonality coming to the end of the year. It's usually good for stocks. Is there's a high probability here, guys, that we could still see a big melt up in the end of the year. And people being negative right now only builds that case to be even stronger. You know,
2: guys, I really can't blame investors. I can't blame people right now because, you know, viruses don't shut down economies. Governments do. And I think right now there's no confidence in any government in the world. All they've done is screw this thing up from the beginning. So I really can't blame anybody. But meanwhile, you just have to believe your lying eyes. I mean, the economy is booming. Try to get into a restaurant. Try to buy a car right now. It's crazy out there the way products are being bid up. One thing we should be concerned about is inflation and the cost of everything going up. Well, Dad, you brought up cars. That's a good point. I talked
0: to one of my clients this week, and he went out to go buy a car. And he said that he couldn't get it for less than $10,000 over MSRP. Now, I don't know anybody that pays a penny over MSRP or anywhere close to it it just shows you again, right? The demand for everything right now is through the roof. And I saw a statistic on this. Consumers have $2.3 trillion more today than they did before the pandemic started. $2.3 trillion that they can still spend. That says to me, this economy can stay hot and can rock and roll for a long time. That's a lot of cash to still deploy in the economy. And that's not even factoring in if they add even more stimulus to the economy. So I think it's crazy right now to bet against economic growth, earnings. I mean, look at last quarter, guys. I mean, the Delta variant was running rampant around the world. And somehow, companies had 40% higher profits in that quarter than they did the year before. That's resourcefulness at work. I think you're going to see more of that. History doesn't repeat, but it does rhyme. And I think we already know this playbook. We know how this ends. Yeah, not only that, right? but 80% of companies reported beat on the top and bottom lines.
2: I mean, these analysts are behind the curve, both on what they think the market's going to do and how well companies are doing. You know, generally, companies do beat their earnings when it comes to an earnings season. But I'll tell you what, I've never seen so many companies beat at such a high level, and I've never seen analysts so far behind the
0: curve. Well, I think that goes back to an old quote. I'm not sure which one of you said it, but one of you said that analysts on Wall Street make fortune tellers look good in the sense that they're always wrong. I'm going to take it a step further, Chris. That's why you should listen to Pain Points of Wealth every single week to get the real insights.
2: I think what you're doing, guys, is you're actually insulting fortune tellers.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Not pretty. No, but look, I mean, I think to your point, Bob, I mean, things here, it is kind of an obvious trend here, right? Wages are going up. Like I just mentioned, people have more cash than they've had in a very long time. And actually, the consumer has been more conservative. They pay down debt. We already know that companies are handling these supply chain issues handedly. And we're already seeing light at the end of the tunnel. You're actually starting to see some of the costs come down throughout the supply chain. Like, Bob, you sent me an article about how shipping these containers is down about 12%, the price to do that over the last six weeks. So, if supply chain problems ease, that's only going to drop to the bottom line for the next quarter for all these companies that have been managing this whole situation so well. So, $2 trillion, right? That's a
2: lot of money. But you know what hasn't changed? Cash is still trash. You're not getting any return on cash. Matter of fact, you get one basis point from most banks and most wirehouses. And you have a 6% inflation rate. Let's see, you're losing 5.9% a year sitting in cash right now. My guess is it's gonna find its way into financial assets. So don't be afraid
0: to buy the dip. Hey, hope you're enjoying episode 63 Pain Points of Wealth. Our subscribership is going through the roof. We literally have more subscribers every single month. Thanks to you. Thanks for the support. If you like our podcast, you love it. You wanna hear Bob, Chris, and me, mainly me then please subscribe, click the five-star rating on iTunes, leave us a comment, let us know what you want us to speak about. And if you're watching this on YouTube right now, you can click the like button, subscribe, that little notification bell, so you can be updated every single week of our new shows coming out literally every week, giving our insights on the markets, the economy. Thanks for the support. Please subscribe to Pain Points of Wealth. All right, gentlemen, it's the tipping point. This is where we pinpoint the pain point, P-A-Y-N-E, having the biggest impact on your wealth right now. And Bob and Chris, you know, for the thousand or so families that we advise at our firm, pain capital management, we spend a lot of time evaluating your savings and tax planning opportunities wherever we can find them. And to me, the end of the year is when a lot of big wealth moves are made for our clients and things that our listeners should be thinking about with their own portfolios and their own financial independence plan. So I thought we'd talk a little bit about some of these pro moves we use that our listeners can use when it comes to their financial plan. Hey, Ryan. That's really a good point because here we
2: are, almost at the end of the year. I don't know what the heck happened. You know, you blink, you miss it. This year went by so fast. You only have a couple of weeks left to really take advantage of certain strategic moves, like harvesting tax losses. Now, you may not have any losses this year. It's been a phenomenal year, unless you
0: invested in gold or long-term bond funds. Bob's two least favorite investments. But no, it's a good point. And the other part of that is, if you book losses in the past, like when we did a big tax swaps. Last year, two years ago during the pandemic, when the market sold off big, we did swap into some other investments, took those losses. So now at the end of the year, maybe things in your portfolio have gone up too much, right? You're at a point where you're overweighted now in tech or growth stocks. It's a good time to take some profits. And ideally, maybe you have some losses you can offset those losses with, and you can be proactive and start buying what I would call more out of favor asset classes. But this is a great time to rebalance your portfolio, especially if something's becoming overweighted, which happens when markets go up. Well, here's a real example, Rai, what you're saying that we did tax loss harvesting last year in March. Now this year, I've got a lot of clients that need to rebalance. And I just took major profits for one of my clients. And we saved them almost $7,500 in capital gains tax because we booked those losses against gains that they took this year. So I don't know about you guys, but $7,500 is a lot of money that I could sure use. Well, you
2: know what it is, Chris, as we are children growing up, we're taught about saving, right? You put money in a piggy bank, put money in your bank account, put money in your 401k. We're taught to save, we're taught to bank money. Well, so this is the same concept. You should bank losses, right? Losses are temporary because markets never stay down permanently, and you can carry tax losses forward. So, remember, the number 1 end-of-year wealth move is to harvest your tax losses, right? Put them in the loss bank. If you don't need them now, you can use them later. Well, speaking of saving money,
0: Dad, I think Ryan still has his communion money, just saying. I like to consider myself thrifty, boys. You know that. could be a rainy day down the line. Now, like, that's my favorite move is when Chris sits on my couch, I just bounce him up and down, so all that change falls into the couch. So good to see you, Chris. I've been charging interest on that change, by the way. <laughs> I'll give you an extreme example of this too, by the way. So I was talking to this group of millennials. I talked about this on the last podcast, and one guy said he had 10% of his money in crypto. Now it's 40% of his portfolio because it's going up so much. Again, this is where you get disciplined and maybe you made all this money in some of these speculative assets and take 30, 40% off the table when it goes up that high and turn it back and buy other assets. So like, you want to do it when the wind's at your back. And clearly the wind's at your back right now with a lot of asset classes. The other big move you can make right now, I know we're doing a lot of it at our firm, are Roth conversions, guys. What an awesome strategy to create tax-free income.
2: Yeah. And sometimes you know it's like a 50-50 rationale. It may benefit you, it may not. I guess what you have to think about is do you feel lucky? Do you think the IRS is going to maintain your tax bracket at the current level? Or is it possible, as we spend trillions of dollars we don't have as a country, that your tax bracket may be higher in the next couple of years? I don't know, guys. What do you think? Chris,
0: why is Bob so cynical? I don't get it. Cynical or realistic, but to your point, Dad, I was talking to a client of mine yesterday, and we were debating whether we should do a Roth conversion for her. And one of the points that she made, she said, well, you know, why would I want to prepay taxes? I said, well, look at it this way. I said, in 10 years, I said, do you think you'll be around? She said, probably. I said, well, in 10 years of tax-free growth, you'll have broken even on that money. And everything that goes back on top of that goes in your pocket tax-free. She said, that sounds like a pretty good deal. And two things to think about there, because number one, right, it's your retirement accounts are a ticking tax time bomb. At 72, you have to take money out and pay taxes on them. And if you have a lot of money in those retirement accounts, it could be big taxes. So if you're in a low tax bracket this year, pay the tax now on some of your retirement plans and put into the Roth for tax-free income makes a lot of sense. The other reason, like I had a client this year who had a loss on his business. So we were able to actually convert money out of his IRA tax-free to offset that loss and put it into the Roth IRA where it's going to be tax-free forever. You've got to be looking at this at the end of the year. To your point, Bob, I think taxes have to go higher here. So
2: take advantage of this year. And don't forget about the backdoor Roth. I mean, I think that's something they're going to legislate out of existence if they're allowed to, but it's still good this year. So if what you can do is put money into an IRA, which... Anybody can contribute to an IRA. doesn't mean it can be deducted, even if you have a 401k. And then you immediately convert that into a Roth, so that can grow tax-free. Again, forever. That's a long time. I like that.
0: Yeah, but just talk to your tax advisor because other IRA money gets complicated, but it's something you should look at. And the last one, guys, Bob, which I know you're a big fan of this, is if you have to take distributions out of your retirement plan, well, send them to charity. Get a big deduction. I love QCDs, buddy. You
2: know, You can give money to charity. You get that money's not taxable. You don't have to worry about capital gains when you sell whatever's in the portfolio. Send the check directly to the charity. It's not reportable to the IRS. It's better to do that than to pay it right out of your personal account and then deduct it against your taxes. Much better move to pay it out of your IRA. You can do up to $100,000. Now, this is something that's renewed every year, so we don't know if it's going to be around next year. So take advantage of this year. Number one, you got to be 70 years old in order to do it, but
0: I think it's a great move. Pro move, as you would say, guys. Another strategy, if you're not 72, that you can use is actually if you have appreciated stock and you want to make donations. So, if you've got those big capital gains and some of those positions that have done really well, you can actually donate that. As a matter of fact, I did that out of my portfolio to my high school and my grade school. And I didn't have to pay cash out of pocket and I was able to contend with some of my capital gains. Bob, I always suspect Chris was rich. You know, he's so rich that he's already just getting rid of his estate at this young age. Unbelievable. Well, I'd be richer if Ryan wouldn't take the change out of my pockets
2: on his couch. Hey, no better time to plan than when you have your first dollar, guys. You know, you should always
0: save early and often and you should always give the charity. It's like flossing, Bob. I like that. No, I agree. And we do, we're very, very charitably inclined here. I know all of us do charities every single year. So we're big believers in that. And the one other strategy you can use right now, if you're in a high deductible plan this year, at the end of the year, you got to elect your new plan for next year, your medical plan. Well, look at health savings account. It's a huge tax advantage. The money goes in, you get a deduction to put the money in grows tax-free like a Roth. And if you keep account of all your medical expenses, you can take it out tax-free. That's triple tax-free. Unbelievable. Yeah. And it continues to grow. If you don't take it out, you can use it later. Just keep records
2: of your medical records. Unfortunately, if you're on Medicare, like your old man, I can't take advantage of an HSA. Bums me out. They should have something for the baby boomers. I don't understand. The government does everything for you guys. Nothing for us baby boomers. Well, Dad, when Ryan runs for Senator, he'll probably make that happen for
0: you. Chris, I'm getting bored. Another entitled baby boomer. My gosh! Hey guys,
2: you know the old expression: people don't plan to fail; they just fail to plan. These are some great pro moves. Let's get it done. You only got a couple of weeks left. Next thing you know, it's New Year's Eve, 2022.
0: Here we come. Bob, Chris, and I now have a collective 75 years helping individuals just like you with your planning and investing. This is literally what we do every single day at our firm, paying Capital Management, for the thousand or so families that we advise. Everything you hear on this podcast, along with some due diligence of your own, can help you get ahead financially at literally any stage of your journey. But if you want a more hands on approach and you saved over $750,000 for your financial independence plan, we'll put together for you our total financial master plan with no obligation or cost. We do a limited amount every week. If you qualify, we'll literally look at everything for you. We'll go through every investment that you own, look at your fees, your taxes. We're going to look at income. Do you have an income plan for retirement? How do you take Social Security? What's your savings plan? Are you optimizing every tax vehicle you can? There's no other firm that will do this work up front. If you qualify, simply go to www.paincm.com slash financial plan to see if you qualify for a complimentary financial review. That's www.paincm.com slash financial plan to see if you qualify for a free financial review. All right, it's the hidden facts of finance, random financial facts that may surprise you or even shock you. All right, Bob, Thursday, December 2nd, marked the 20th anniversary of Enron's bankruptcy, a date that shall live in American financial infamy. It's 2001 bankruptcy filing was the largest in American history at the time, with an estimated loss of $74 billion. It actually kind of seems small in today's dollars. It does seem small, right? But it's also a, another reason why you shouldn't speculate
2: in individual stocks. You could have studied this company's finances all day long, but you would have never known that the finances, the numbers were falsified. So you're studying numbers that weren't real. So you've been right about your conclusions, but again, you'd have lost
0: all your money. Which is kind of scary. You know, actually, companies run by human beings and a lot of CFOs, they lie. To your point, Bob, it's like, that's why being diversified is better than individual stock picking. A hundred percent. Chris, 72% of Americans who are nearing retirement won't have enough to maintain their living standards if they retire at 65. And if everybody works until they're 70, about only half still have enough to maintain their living standards. That's kind of scary. That's really scary. And, you know, it goes back to dad's point about planning is that people don't plan to fail. They failed a plan. That's why it's so important to sit down with somebody like us and take advantage of that complimentary financial plan and go through and find out where you really are. Because frankly, it really doesn't take a lot to make for a good financial plan. It's the small things that you do over time. And it's just getting started. If you're thinking to yourself, oh, I don't want to save, start with a small number. You can always increase it later. Bob, Pfizer Incorporated was founded 172 years ago in 1849 by German immigrants Charles Pfizer and Charles F R Hart. Charles and Charles in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, and still remains headquartered in New York City today. The company found its first major success producing penicillin when the drug suffered a shortage during World War II. Now, here's another reason not to buy individual stocks
2: Pfizer's a great company, terrible stock. That stock's the same price today as it was all the way back at the peak of the tech bubble back in 1999. Now, they've had a big winner in penicillin, they have another big winner in vaccines, but two drugs don't make a great company. And I'll tell you what, you don't want to buy individual stocks. It's speculation. It's gambling. And if you bought Pfizer, hey, you're just breaking even. Only took you 30 years. Diversify,
0: diversify, diversify. Chris, at 18 years old, Kevin David Lehman of Germany is the world's youngest billionaire worth $3.3 billion. Lehman recently received his father's stake in the drugstore chain DM Drogery Market. It's good to inherit. Well, you know what, Ry? I think he made his money the old-fashioned way and that he inherited it. I'm just waiting for the day that dad hands over his stake in paying capital management so we can all sit on a beach and relax. Yeah, Bob, I'm a little disappointed. We thought we'd have a trust fund for now. What's going on? Hey, trust me,
2: guys. You won't have a trust fund.
0: (laughs) Good to know. Good to know. We're going to keep working. I guess we'll keep doing this podcast. Another great show today. If you like our content, love it, please subscribe. Give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Give us some feedback, what you want to hear us talk about. Another great show. As always, stay loose and keep an open
1: mind. Thanks for listening to the Pain Points of Wealth. Hopefully you found the ideas discussed in this episode valuable and useful for your own financial journey. You can find out more about Bob, Brian, and Chris's firm, Payne Capital Management, at BeBullish.com or through the contact information found in the description of this episode in your podcast player or app. Join us next week for another episode of The Pain Points of Wealth, brought to you by Payne Capital Management.